Focus Football. It is Friday, September 1st. Field Yates and Daniel Dopp hanging out with you today. Field, it's great to see your face. We have a three-day weekend at our doorstep. We do have a three-day weekend. I've said this before on the show, but when you become a parent, weekends are weekdays and weekdays oh, are weekends. So right. not going to okay. lie, it's a little bit different this year, especially <laughs> with two under two, Daniel. But did you say it's September? Where the heck did summer go? I have no freaking idea, but I did want to say this. I saw it looked like one of your two under twos made their yeah. Sports Center debut this morning. That's right. You know, I think it's been a while since I have shamelessly plugged my own Instagram. So let's go ahead and do let's it. Do Very it. innovative handle at Field Yates on Instagram, please like go on there. Like if I get five new followers from this show, I will be over the moon. But there is a clip of Palmer, my two month old joining me for sports under this morning. And what happened was when you're dialing in from home, you go up before your segment starts, like maybe 10 or 15 minutes early, make sure the shot is set up. Okay. Make sure your connection's good. You got to dial into what's called transmission. And I brought her up there thinking I would bring her back down after I got the shot set and the producer was like, if she wants to hang out, you can keep her. We certainly find her to be more entertaining than you are. Uh, and so I said, why the heck not? So uh, amazingly, she did not like throw a fit of rage. No, she didn't. During she TV, great. it was great. So yeah, Palmer, big ESPN star now, the future host of the Fantasy Focus. I love that feeling. Yeah. And you said, follow you on Instagram at Field Yates. Yes, Yates. this is. I could okay. not be more All shameless right. on asking for this, but if I again five followers is all I'm looking for. I just want five. It's like a you know, it's probably the most meaningless thing in life to count how many followers you have on social media, and yet it's and like yet. societally we are addicted to it. <laughs> and right now I am addicted to getting five new followers on Instagram. I'm just not a huge social guy to begin with. Although, like, is there anything that I need to be aware of that's happening right now in social media? Field Yates. I'm pretty sure TikTok is still like a dominant force. Still doing some stuff. ESPN here's. I'll tell you. YouTube.com slash ESPN NFL. That's the social media you need to know about people. And of course, that's it. Fantasy Focus Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. That's right. All right. Look at that. Quick shout out to our buddies over at Trophy Smack. We are heading into the biggest draft weekend of the year. If mm. you need to grab a draft board, you can do it now. Head over to trophysmack.com and you can get a two-day shipping, 20% off on your draft board. And if you want to grab one of these cool belts or a turnover chain, you can do the same thing. Uh, it is 10% off with the code Focus Belt. Super fun. Hey, All right. Um, Field, we got some conversations today. A little bit of news, and then yeah. we did our Fantasy Focus live draft last night. Yeah, so 12 teams in this Fantasy Focus show league. Yep. You and I are part of this group. We have most of the people that are on staff here. Kevin Pulsifer, of course, research extraordinaire, with us here on the show today, drafting. He once flew six times in 36 hours as yes. a fantasy football punishment. <laughs> we have not yet decided. He makes, oh, he's seven. See, oh, that's right. Seven times seven in times. 36 hours. So my apologies there on shorting him one trip from like Denver to Hartford. Uh, but we've got the crew and we did our draft last night and we're going to be talking about this league quite a bit because we hope for it to be very interactive. Uh, and we are going to try to find a very suitable, suitable uh, fantasy punishment for the fantasy focus league. Oh yeah. Open to suggestions here. Very much. We're family company. So keep that in mind, but you can push the, you know, the, the boundaries just a little bit here, not too much, but a little bit. All right. People officially in the league field me mike stefania liz loza eric moody mm -hmm. our producer david presley yep our other producer jackson agello we'll see how long he lasts wow jackson had himself a draft last night we will certainly talk go about that or go home jackson 
Kevin uh, Kevin Pulsifer, who's right here behind yep. us, obviously. Our yep. buddy Matt and the Trophy Smack crew, they yep. have a team in the league as well. And Field, you and I each got to invite a person to the league. Who did you invite to the league this year? My cousin, Griffey. Uh, Griffey Cakes. Griffin Van Meter is an absolute legend. Nobody loves fantasy football as much as he does. Heck Probably yeah. one of the most generous people that I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, an incredible advocate and supporter of the fantasy focus and really everything that I've done at ESPN. So uh, it felt like the only thing to do was have him be a part of this focus league and i swear i did not swing this myself the dude won the lottery got the first pick i know how did that work out he's, did, a, he's a fortunate man it's very lucky obviously i love me some griffey cakes as well uh i invited my buddy jb the commissioner of the crappy bands you've never heard of league yeah. he is the guitarist in the band august burns red i love me jb brubaker uh he's i just will say this dude. though i will say this i think jb might be overexposed you to the so? point that he's no longer like he can't be in the crappy bands you never heard of because yeah. I know JB like I feel like he's a cousin by now like At he's my point, other cousin. That's right. That's yeah, right. we're trying to make this a family affair with the with the show league. Here, Everybody so. got to invite one cousin to the league is what it turned out to that's be. That's right. All right, yeah. we're gonna dive into how this league turned out. Part of this was Field and I kind of put together a cheat sheet. We've been talking about cheat sheets, right? Making sure that you draft with conviction, that you understand who you want to take and why you want to take them where you're at. One of the things that we will talk about is we had some Cooper Cup news. Field going to save that once we get into where he came off the board just want to make sure people know we will talk about what has happened yeah rather than just break it down we'll tell you how it impacts drafts by how it literally impacted a draft last night because of course this news broke probably around what three or four p.m eastern time yesterday so let's dive into it daniel all right one last piece of logistical information 12 team league usually we do a 10 teamer we also added an extra wide receiver spot three receivers so you got three wide receiver spots rather than two and it's a 12 team league when you're going in, I think I saw this. You had the fifth pick. Yeah. Did you go in? Were you trying to like, do you have a strategy this year you're trying to follow? You want to make sure you're leaving drafts with it? Or is it just you're looking at best player available the first couple rounds and let the draft come to you? So ESPN has research that supports the idea that the first overall pick has the highest percentage of winning leagues. Like, or at least that, that's how it has been over a certain period of time. And sure. I feel like it's basically every year for like the last 10 or 15 years, the number one pick has yielded the most champions. And yet, in some ways, there is a certain comfort that you take being nearly in the middle. I'd pick five of a 12-team league. And the only thing that I would say is it allows you to be a bit more judicious when it comes to, if you're deciding between two players, taking some comfort in knowing that the chances of getting one player in the round you are currently in in the next player in the following round yeah. is higher, right? Because the weight is a whole lot uh, shorter as, as compared to the people that are picking on the extremes, right? The first overall pick doesn't pick again until picks 24 and 25. It's probably more pertinent from like 25 to whatever that would be at the end of the fourth round, 48, right? Like yep. if you have a tight end that you're like, if you like, I really, really, really want Mark Andrews this year is 25 too early. It might be, but he's not making it to 48. Those kind of decisions play in more when you have a pick either at the beginning or the end of the first round. I am totally with you. That's one of the things about drafting at turns where I don't think like rankings are the guideline when you're drafting at a turn, right? It's not, this is a, Hey, I'm not going to have another pick for 20 or 24 picks in a row. If you want a guy that technically is like you're reaching for a round, it's not really a reach if you're drafting at nine, 10 in my estimation, because they're not going to make it back to you. So it's all about going out and grabbing your guys. If you want them, I picked third overall. Ideally, I was hoping that Justin Jefferson or Jamar chase would fall to me when that didn't happen. I was, I was ready. Let me ask you to make a pivot. 
Ideally, you hope that Justin Jefferson would fall to a pick three. Have you been in a single league this year where Justin Jefferson has made it to three other than a super flex league? I, uh, in standard leagues, no. I've had a couple okay. of best ball leagues where like you have some guys go at the top. Really? I, Justin Jefferson fall to me at the fifth pick in one of the best ball leagues. You're more in on the uh, best ball stuff than I am. Who would be the more compelling best ball pick than Justin Jefferson? I don't know. Tyreek Hill, maybe? Paul, so you got an answer? It's not about who you're getting there because if you have the number one pick, you have to like stack every single player you've got. True. So if you take Jefferson, you're automatically stacking like, with Kirk Cousins. Cousins. You're taking Jordan Addison. So you're saying maybe there's a Jamar Chase case, right? It's People like you believe Travis in Kelsey, the quarterback. Yeah. Cooper okay. Cup, Fair enough. John Robinson yeah. first. It, 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 it's really wild out there if you're playing for in those tournaments for like a million bucks. Best ball. Maybe there's a best ball league next year that we do with, Ooh, the, with the show. I don't know. I'm trying. I, I'm just like adding more responsibilities <laughs> onto Dave, our producer's plate. So <laughs> yeah, like uh, he doesn't have enough to after the show. I'm going to text like, hey, I'll see you in the office in 20 minutes. Like, oh, crap. What I do this time? Anyways, do you think that this draft was any different than like some of the normal home league drafts that you were in? Totally. And I'd say this when I play in leagues that are not made up of largely ESPNers, I tend to see people that uh, do things a little bit more like people drafting from their favorite team. Emotion. People taking players that they just like a lot yep. personally earlier, whether they like them as fantasy players or not. And I do see a lot more of kickers and defenses going earlier in home leagues because people are like, you know something? I know that I should wait until round 15 to drive a defense, but I'm just going to take the 49ers in round 10 because I'm going to have the best defense in fantasy. That's the thought process. The problem is that data has shown us year over year over year. It's very difficult to predict how defenses will perform in fantasy yep. accurately. Like, I think it's like three out of the past four years. The number one scoring defense in fantasy went undrafted that year. So it's a very difficult position to forecast. When we do our rankings during the weeks, Mike Clay's projections set the basis for us yeah. each week. Yep. When I get to the defense and kickers, I sort of just look at it. I mean, kickers... My, my only rule for kickers is that Justin Tucker is one every single week. That's the only rule I have for kickers. Otherwise, Always. I'm like, do you want me to argue with Mike Clay over whether Matt Gay needs to be ranked further uh, up or down the, the list than like Graham Gano? Like Mike has a formula he is inputting that I trust. With defense, it's usually like, is that a total aberration? Like, does that make no sense to me? So those two positions, much more so than any other in fantasy, I just let them... I, sit the, I put them in their own little category and trust Mike Clay's data more than my own brain. I would agree with that. And I know we've said this before, Field, but like if you took that 49ers defense in the 10th round, that means you missed out on a guy named Ramondre Stevenson, who turned out to be pretty good last year. Right. Yeah. Missed out on a guy named Jamal Williams, who also turned out to be fairly usable in your fantasy roster. So there's a reason why you don't draft defenses that early. At least we don't like drafting defenses that early. I think that's one of the things I take away from this and for everybody at home Ooh. as you're watching this. Ooh. It's definitely different than home leagues. You'll see some picks here that will not happen in your home leagues or guys that come off the board later than what you would expect. Patrick Mahomes, all the quarterbacks, they're going to go way earlier sure. in other drafts than they went in our draft. So that's just something to think about. Uh, two other things. I'm going to get to Pulse. One, uh, Keith just texted me to say that Tristan's going to write a defense slash special teams ro roadmap column. Ooh, I love that. That takes place each month during the season the other thing and i'm gonna i'm gonna double down on this point when we talk about cooper cup okay this league is one of i believe 12 leagues that i'm having a draft in this week or mm -hmm. at some point this week it's much more art than science when you're drafting 12 teams keep that thought in mind when we discuss cooper cup more on that to come in just a moment pulse I think one of the things that does correlate still, though, whether it's a home league or an expert league, an industry league, whatever it is, know who you're drafting with, know who you're drafting next to. 
if if you're talking about a home league with friends, know who their favorite teams are, know when they like to take quarterbacks. Totally. But going into this league, I had the 11th pick. Mike Clay's at 12. He's been hyping up Garrett Wilson for I don't know how long this uh-huh. offseason. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I put a poll out on Twitter right before the draft. Should I steal Garrett Wilson right before Mike has two picks in a row? And 56% said yes, and 44% said definitely yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, there you go. That was a good poll. That's a good poll. That's great. Okay. Honestly, that's what it's all about. A lot of it is learning your league and knowing how things are going to play. field. let's talk about this. Honestly, Dude. I don't want to just skip through the first round, but I'm going to be pretty honest. First round was fairly chalky. Yeah. Every other first round that we've talked about when doing a mock draft, that's basically how the first round fell to just, you know, a, a little uh, a little bit of fluidity within where the picks went, but it was the top 10, 12 guys that we expect. Yeah, I had pick five. I, I got Austin Eckler. Really nothing surprised me about round one, obviously. Uh, Pulse not taking uh, Garrett Wilson was probably was the, the biggest, biggest upset yeah. of round one. I ended up taking CMC with a third overall pick. I wanted to go with one of those top two wide receivers, but I decided, you know what? Why not go with a running back right yeah, now? Pretty much. Uh, someone asked me recently, are running backs or wide receivers more valuable in fantasy? And I said, in my current top 10, I've got five wide receivers, four running backs, and one tight end. end, In the first round of this draft, there were six wide receivers, one, two, three, four, five running backs, and one tight end. So the answer is they're both very valuable. How's that for a very fence-sitting answer? All right, so then we got into the second round field, and yesterday, this is really where everything happened. Yesterday, we got news. Cooper Cup back to being day-to-day, re-aggravated his hamstring injury. Sean McVay, like I said, let us know. Cooper Cup is day-to-day. Today, he's been dealing this with basically the entirety of training camp. There's been a little bit of a nagging hamstring issue here because it was day to day. I didn't move him down my rankings a whole lot. But this morning I checked your rankings. You have him all the way down at wide receiver 10 now. So tell me some stuff. I didn't feel like this was as as I should be as nervous as I am, but that's a big jump. I've been the Cooper Cup guy all preseason. I've had him as wide receiver two, player number two overall on my big board. He did call him day to day. He also called it a setback. And that has opened up a whole new can of worms that I was completely not expecting for Cooper Cup. My audacity behind my Cooper Cup ranking was fortified because Stefania kept saying, hey, Cooper Cup is one of the most unique athletes in terms of recovery. She had zero concerns about Cooper Cup. I'm not trying to place, like, I, I'm saying that as a, I, when Stefania's confident, it bolsters my confidence. Definitely. These are still my rankings. They're not Stefania's no, rankings. No. But that helped make my decision on keeping Cooper Cup as wide receiver, too. Setbacks that take place 10 days before the regular season begins already call into question week one. Up until this point, there was no question about week one. They kept saying, he's got to be ready for week one. He's going to be ready for week one. We're going to be, we're going to slow play things because a, he's this what best player, second best player on our team. Yep. B the Rams are about as anti player starters in the preseason as any team in the NFL mm-hmm. and C like, you know, like what, what's like what what exactly does Cooper Cup need these extra reps for, right? Like Cooper Cup's thirty, and like at some point the diminishing returns on each subsequent practice become real. He's not a twenty three year old still learning the system. Anyways, all those are reasons that I felt really good about Cooper Cup. Has a setback yesterday. When you have a setback, I think two things become very true. And I was talking about this with Stefania last night, and credit her for this point. When you have a setback. When you try to return to play, return to performance, that's very important here. Sean McVay talked about this as well. Once you have a setback, both the team and the player are going to be more cautious than they were the first time around. And Sean McVay highlighted exactly what Stefania always says. He differentiated between return to play and return to performance. The Rams, according to Sean McVay, are more focused on return to performance for Cooper Cup 
I got to tell you, he may have said day to day. I went back, I watched the clip. It was the most uneasy day to day uh, description I've ever heard. So I'm worried. And with Cooper Cup, while he is an absolute alpha and peak Cooper Cup is way more valuable than the wide receivers who are going fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth on the board. Here's the reality. If this turns into a month-long absence for Cooper Cup, the gap between Cooper Cup and the guys that are going off the board at wide receiver six or seven is not that significant. Let's say it's A.J. Brown. Like, it's not that significant. Um, it, it can be not that significant is what I should say. Okay. I need to clarify that. Like, okay. It's not like you're bypassing Cooper Cup to take some like scrub receiver, right? It's like, okay, I'm bypassing yeah, for Stephon Diggs or Amon Ross St. Brown or A.J. Brown. Devontae Adams, yeah. Taking one of those players as your wide receiver one is a totally justifiable decision in roster construction. And here's the other part of it. I said I wanted to table this. If you're playing it, if you're playing in one league, it's a very different draft strategy than when you're playing in 14 or 15. There is a league that I play in where I might be thinking to myself, if I have picked 16, 17 and Cooper Cups on the board, what the heck, man? If this team doesn't work out, I've got 13 or 14 more that I'm invested in that I can hope perform better than a team that might take Cooper Cup in the second round and might not see him for a month. Yeah. If you're playing in one league, just one, you're playing with your coworkers, you're playing with your high school buddies, you're playing with you know, college friends, whatever it is. Are you really going to risk a first or second round pick? Because you want to do respectable if you're playing in just one league, right? And so I think there's just way too much risk involved when there are so many good players on the board that I said, you know something? Just move them down for now when there's this much ambiguity about his return. If Sean McVay comes down and says, hey, he's day-to-day, I expect him to practice on Monday, he'll jump right back up. But for now, with all this uncertainty going into the busiest draft weekend of the year, I felt the responsible way to approach it for those that are playing in one league is diminish risk. I don't want to take a player in round one or two that could be anything less than himself at the beginning of the season. And I think that's what you're doing if you take Cooper Cup right now. That's really interesting. I totally I totally understand everything that you're saying, talking about risk mitigation with that early draft capital. That's hard because Cooper Cup has been like he scored twenty five points per game the last two years. He's you know amazing. What I mean? Like, and, hey, he could if if you like Jackson who took him at fifteen, he might win the freaking league because of Cooper Cup. Because if Cooper Cup's one hundred percent healthy, he should go no lower than like pick five overall. That's where he was going prior to this. So that's the takeaway right now. Last night, Jackson got him at pick fifteen in our draft. Yeah. He had been coming off the board based on ESPN ADP as pick five or six in fantasy drafts up until that point. He went off the board behind Amon Ross St. Brown. Do you have a list of wide receivers? Who would you take ahead of Cooper Cup? You're drafting today. Mm-hmm. Today, we don't get any more updates. Yeah. A list of wide receivers you would draft ahead of Cooper Cup. These are not surprising at the top. Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, yep. Tyreek Hill. Yep. Then you get to Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Garrett Wilson. That's nine. So I have Cooper Cup as wide receiver receiver 10. And just think like if you leave your draft and you get any of those guys in the first two rounds, aren't you pretty fired up? Yes. Yeah. So if you're playing in one league and it's like, okay, I can take Cooper Cup and maybe be rewarded if things go great and he recovers at an incredible rate over the next 10 days. 
Or I can land CeeDee Lamb and not have to worry about a thing going into the season and reap the rewards of a fully healthy CeeDee Lamb against the New York Giants in week one. Sure. Let's move ahead to the third round. Let's do it. Second and third round. There were some interesting things here. Kind of looks like this is that spot, a lot of value that I like here and a lot of conviction. Kind of looking at people saying, you know what? I've talked about this guy. You know I like this guy. I want to go out and get this player for my fantasy team. But sometimes when that happens, it doesn't always match up with ADP. You got to have a play a little loose with that. Totally. In these middle rounds, like, is this too early? Or are you still looking at the way that ADP influences your draft this early? ADP is very much just a, like, it's part of the equation. It is certainly not the driving force behind every pick. Because when you are going and getting your guy in the first three rounds, Listen, it's one thing if you told me like, hey, listen, round three, like I want Randall Cobb 12 years ago that or whatever, eight years ago, that might have been a cool play. Right. But like the players that went earlier than ADP in the first few rounds for us, look at these names. Jalen Hurts. Yep. Could be the highest scoring player in all of fantasy this year. Garrett Wilson. Everybody's favorite breakout pick. Yep. Chris Olave. I haven't stopped talking about that guy for the entire month. Nope. Jameer Gibbs. I mean, Stefania made the case for him yesterday. And we've, even though her and I disagreed on the Josh Jacobs versus Jameer Gibbs debate yesterday, I still love Jameer Gibbs. Christian Watson, who was Mike's pick. You might disagree on this one. But we've been hearing. Like, but Mike, Mike loves him, yep. right? So it's not like people are reaching for names that are completely off the fantasy radar. And. I made this analogy. It's almost like real estate, like in the market we're in right now. I'm grateful I'm not trying to buy a house because <laughs> what I keep seeing when I either read stuff online or I get the paper that tells you how much each house sold for in your neighborhood, you're like, whatever the list price is, like that's just like the list price is basically a way of telling you that like whatever the list price is, it has to be significantly more than this that you offer, that. right? And yeah. that's the name of the game in real estate right now. And it feels like in some ways we got to that point in this draft where that became the name of the draft as well. Mm-hmm. If you want a player, don't risk it, especially when you're picking on the extremes. Griffey had the pick the twelfth had the first pick, so he knows that if he doesn't take Jalen Hurts at twenty four or twenty five, the quarterbacks available at forty eight and forty nine are not going to be tier one quarterbacks. It's going to be probably tier two quarterbacks. And if a massive quarterback run takes place, it could be that he's debating between like, you know, maybe a Deshaun Watson and just, and Daniel Jones, right. As opposed to Jalen hurts versus Patrick Mahomes at pick 24. Well, I really like what Griffey did there. And it's a really great way to talk about this because of the fact that he had the first overall pick when he yeah. came back and had those next two, he took Jalen hurts because that top tier quarterback wasn't going to be back there once it came back. And then he grabbed Mark Andrews yep. and Mark Andrews wasn't going to make it another 20 picks. So if he wanted to grab those two guys, maybe a little bit ahead of ADP, but he was able to get both of the guys that he wanted because of that. Yep. Uh, there's another, I mean, we saw this happen also in the third Calvin Ridley yeah. came off the board before Jalen Waddle 3.02 Calvin Ridley. Is this one of those things? I feel like, like this felt a little bit more like the conviction that we're talking about a little more home league ish to me, where mm-hmm. it's like someone has a player that they like. They've heard a lot of, you know, hype this off season. We've had all of this Calvin Ridley conversation. I don't think I would have made this move, but David Presley, Really loves Calvin Ridley. Went out and decided to grab him over Jalen Waddle. I think part of the calculation here is what are you going to be able to live with yourself if things don't go well? Mm. If Jalen Waddle busts this season, is anybody going to say to you, like, dude, you took Jalen Waddle in the fourth round? How dare you? Right? No, like, of course not. Jalen Waddle is an amazing player on an offense that scores points left and right. 
had an amazing rookie season as basically a glorified slot player, yep. then crushed it as a sophomore, catching 18 yards per reception. No one's going to hold it against you if you took Jalen Waddle early and he busts. If you reach for Calvin Ridley, and I'm just using this example. If you reach for Calvin Ridley and he goes ahead of players like Jalen Waddle, and it turns out that the preseason hype was just too much and that he's a really solid player, but the Jaguars lean on balance with both Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram has another exemplary year. You're going to be saying to yourself, like, why did I do that? Right. This is, but this to me was an upside versus floor pick. Now, I would argue that Jalen Waddle's upside is actually greater than Calvin Ridley's upside just because we saw how awesome this Dolphins offense was last year. But I think that what Dave is doing is he's chasing the possibility of Calvin Ridley being the breakthrough player at wide receiver this year. And if he's right, no one's going to be saying a thing. But if he's wrong, he's going to have to look himself in the mirror and say, I could have played it safe, quote unquote, and taking Jalen Waddle, which would have been a totally defensible pick. Totally. And and this is a part of, I feel like, that cheat sheet that you build, that draft board that you come in, you know the guys that you want to target. Yeah. Right? You've done your research. You're finding those people. This is, I, I think, of one of those situations where you look at that. The one thing about Jalen Waddle for me, what if Tyreek Hill really does go for 2,000 yards this year? Um, I don't think it matters. He nearly did last year. I mean, what was the exact number? 1800 and something, 1800 and something. He didn't have as much in the touchdown department. Like he can still be a top 20 wide receiver. Okay. So 1710 for Tyreek Hill last year. So yeah. And, but Jalen Waddle was at 1356 in a year in which Tyreek Hill had 1710. Wow. Okay. But also like, uh, Tyreek Hill getting to 2000 is possible. I mean, it's a big number, but it never happened before. Right. So like, you know, uh, I think that planning for the precedent to take place probably is like a little less likely than, Hey, what if Tyreek Hill has another monster season with 1600 or 1700 yards? And what we found through one year with the Mike McDaniel offense is that, Oh, Jalen Waddle can have 1,356 <laughs> yards and eight touchdowns. So, um, yeah, but it, it, to me, it is while I would argue that Jalen Waddle's, ceiling is still greater than Calvin Ridley's. I think when you see people make bold selections like this, oftentimes they're chasing the upside of the player as opposed to chasing the floor of the player. And we say this frequently in fantasy, you don't want to finish. Like if you're playing in a bunch of leagues, you don't want to finish fourth or fifth. If you're playing in one and you're just trying not to be embarrassed because it's an office league and you just want to not have to go to your boss's office one day and have him or her give you crap by the time you finish dead last, (laughs) then it's okay to like play it safe. Right. But if you're looking to win the whole dang thing, it is going to be by taking players who not every player can have top 10 wide receiver upside, but we've given you about 21 or 22 this year that That do have top 10 wide receiver upside. Well, this wasn't the only time that that happened. We saw the same thing happen at the tight end position field. Stefania ended up taking Darren Waller, over TJ Hawkinson at pick 4.4. I love me some Darren Waller. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm all in on Darren Waller this year, potentially being the number one pass catcher in a Daniel Jones-led offense. I think that's where all of the excitement is coming from. But TJ Hawkinson was fantastic once he got to Minnesota last year. 
and he just got paid. I'm heard he's feeling a lot better right, recently. Yes. It's amazing how they uh, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy you the cure for That's an ear right. infection. <laughs> exactly. I could have given him some amoxicillin. We've had ear infections in our household. I know exactly what to do to treat one of those bad boys. <laughs> I would love to see you treat a TJ Hawkinson ear infection. I think uh, TJ is probably like, yes, yeah, probably like, okay. I think <laughs> I'm okay, but you know, I'll take my seventeen million dollars a year and just he probably has like an on-call doctor now. Like, but is this one of those scenarios where like? I've got I've got Hawkinson higher than Waller. I think you've got Hawkinson higher than Waller. But is the gap so big that it's like, oh my gosh, what is Stefania doing? I don't think it's that crazy of a pick. Yeah. Right. Like I I don't think this is one where like my head turned and I was immediately caught off guard that Stefania would do something so audacious as take Darren Waller Darren over Waller. TJ Hawkinson. Like we do know that of those two players, who's going to lead their team in targets most likely? Darren Waller. Not TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson. Now, the Giants might throw the football a lot less and a lot less effectively than the Vikings do, but I think Darren Waller has 130 target upside. I'll tell you what, if Stefania is the person taking someone that also maybe has some injury risk, it makes me feel a little bit better about the idea that she's choosing them over another player. Totally. Can we reflect on TJ Hawkinson's glow up right now? Yes. So everybody says the same thing, right? Like they've never seen you and TJ in the same room. I'll never forget this. And I probably told this story on the show before. So my uh, one of my best friends in the world got married in Detroit the draft weekend that TJ Hawkinson was drafted. Yep. So that was in Nashville. I went down there to cover the draft for ESPN. And then on the next morning, Saturday, uh, Friday, I flew up to Detroit. I get to the airport and a fleet of, do- of Lions staffers, some of which I knew, were like, hey, we're actually on the same plane back. We're taking our first round pick TJ with us. And obviously I knew TJ Hawkinson from preparing for the draft. TJ Hawkinson was like, wearing this oversized suit, had like a dumpy haircut that, uh-huh. you know, looked like he hadn't thought, put an ounce of thought into it for Lord knows how long with his parents. All of them could not have been nicer. I imagine that all of that is the exact same. From what I can tell, T.J. Hawkinson is an elite dude. What a glow up, though. My man Seriously. is one of the swaggiest players in the entire NFL right now. Times have changed since, uh, I'm not sure, I mean, I, I probably have gotten dorkier since then, but I'll never forget that TJ Hawkinson, the one I used to know five years ago, just young know. TJ. I'll tell you young what, TJ. it helps being on a team with Justin Jefferson and Kirk, Cha- Kirk, Kirk Cousins, not Kirk Chains. Kirk Chains, yeah, Kirk Chains, <laughs> baby. I mean, come on, there's so much swag in that room. Come on. But he had some That's, swag in Detroit, too. He, he did. You're not wrong. All right. Field, we're going to come back and talk about some more. Wait, can I mention backs. the tight end dead zone, though? Because you oh, did ask me about course. that. Yeah. So yes. the draft recap, uh, you mentioned that Hawkinson went round four after Waller. Yep. Uh, I took a tight end in uh, round six. That was Dallas Goddard, uh, eighth pick of the sixth round. And the leftover tight ends were George Kittle. And I want to say that Kyle Pitts was still on the board. I'm sorry. I do not see Kyle Pitts on the board. I take that back. Thank you, Pulse. Uh, George Kittle was kind of the last one that... Uh, I was considering beyond Dallas Goddard. So players beyond that. Now, why did I take Dallas Goddard over George Kittle? We got news yesterday, an update yesterday, that George Kittle's been dealing with this lingering groin injury that they hope heals up sooner than later. Again, with the season this close to it, every injury should be considered the possibility of holding the player out for the start of the regular season. So my tight end cutoff, where I just feel like the guys have slightly more value compared to uh, the next tier of, of tight ends, is probably Dallas Goddard at number seven overall. Seven. Pat Fryermuth, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, Dalton Schultz, all will have some good weeks this year. It feels like up to Dallas Goddard, 
those players I expect to be a big part of their passing game every week. So round seven, uh, around seven tight ends is where I kind of draw the draw line. that line. Yep. It's really interesting with George Kittle. He is is he the most boom bust tight end in fantasy? Might be. Yeah, I mean he certainly might be. He had one season where he set the record for most receiving yards by a tight end in a single year. That included the three hundred plus yard game. Um, he's up there though. I mean, if you go back and look, and Pulse can probably find this. So as I'm explaining the stat, maybe you can quality control it. I believe he was one of like very few players who had four games with at least two receiving touchdowns last year. The only tight end, maybe even the only player. Did he have three or four of them? Three. Three games. Okay. So whatever no, it was. I lied. Four, it was four. four. No, four. you're right. It so was I remember right. Kyle like totally stumping us on this late in the season. Yeah. So you got nine touchdowns from Kittle. That seems like a good number. It is. Eight of them came in four games. Mm-hmm. So that means in the remaining 13 games, he had just one touchdown. So yeah, he's boom bust. You know why? Not because George Kittle's boom bust, but because... The 49ers innately are this going offense. to be boom bust with so many pieces and the fact that Kittle is so valuable to them mm-hmm. in ways that go beyond the box score. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games with single digit fantasy points. Yeah. And he had one, two, three, four, five, six games with over 16 fantasy points. Paul said it's very boom bust. Yeah, but also that year that you're talking about where he set the record with yeah. what 1,400 yards or whatever, you still had games with 22, 30, 48 couple games with two and three receptions like it was still boom bust he had that game seven catches 210 yards nine catches 149 yards the booms were higher and there were fewer busts but it's the same type of profile he's a great yards after the catch guy he's gonna get a couple big plays but even then he was still not creating cratering your team some weeks but it was still not amazing i gave him a 300 yard game somewhere in there what was i thinking did he not have 300 yards? He did not have a 300-yard game. I don't think anybody's ever had 300 yards Calvin in a game. Johnson. Calvin Johnson, Johnson has certainly. Time, okay. That's, that's um, about it. Man, I remember, I remember that game where, as I'm pretty sure I had him in the war room that year, and there was one week, Stefani and I matched up, and I scored in the war room like anything over 120. It was like a pretty respectable score. In a 16-team league. Yeah, 16-team yeah. league. I dropped like 189, which is a massive oh number. Gosh. Stefania had the Will Fuller game that week. She beat me like 257 to 189. Like I was the second highest scorer in the league by like 40 points that week. And Stefania waxed me. It was the most humiliating slash like my team is still pretty good defeat of all time. I think this is part of the George Kittle conversation with people. Like there is a part in the community where it's like you love the big games that he has. You remember when he has helped you win. Because of those big games. Right. But there is also the other side of that where if it fell at the wrong time, like you get some of those single digit performances out of a guy that was supposed to be a top five tight end. And you're like, I thought there was a little bit more consistency. So I think that George Kittle is a really interesting one with the way that he's been falling in drafts. this. Yeah, he is a uh, he's a tricky one. Yeah. And and maybe he is uh, he's Mike Williams like in that regard. A little bit. Right. Like uh, and we love Mike Williams, of course. But um, listen, set it and forget it. If you're drafting George Kittle, it's because you're playing him in the tight end position every single week. You're going to deal with some of those low weeks because those. Those spike weeks can really help you. So let's just one more time remind people, if you think you're taking Travis Kelsey too early, you're probably not. Probably not. We're talking about the fifth ranked tight end on our boards right now. And you're already having questions at the fifth highest ranked player at the position. Yep. Do I like, yes, I'm going to play him, but do I expect something big pulse? We're also normally we're talking about do you take them where Mark Andrews is going third or fourth round and then Hawkinson falls to fourth or fifth while it's listed in the 60s and ADP last night 
Darren Waller went 4-4, and DJ Hawkinson went 4-7. You have to go and get these guys, especially in our leagues. So if you're talking about that, Kelsey's still going 1-5, 1-6. It's the same range. All the other tight ends are moving up. Mm, yep. man. People want their elite tight end. All right, Field, we're going to pay some bills, come back, and finish out this conversation. But first, tell us about our friends over at Geico. You know something, Daniel? I'm going to tell us about our friends over at Geico. Can I borrow that script oh, right there, though? I pretty can. much could do it off memory. Let's Sorry try this. About that. Geico asks, <laughs> how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? I love it. Of course you would. You know why? When it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with homeowners or renters coverage. I am like barely looking at the script. I'm good for you, Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and making and and choosing Geico is an easy decision. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Nice job. Thank you. I love Geico, and that was like probably... I don't know, 65% off memory right there. That was pretty good. By the end of the season, this page won't even need it. Won't even need it. Won't even need it. All right, let's move ahead. We're going to talk about field. My cheat sheet, when I brought it to the draft, I had a finite number of quarterbacks that I was like, I want to leave the draft with at least one of these guys. Yes, indeed. How do you approach drafts? I'll tell you what I did. How do you approach drafts like last night with a quarterback you need to leave with? Yeah, so a little bit of like knowing the league that you're in. Mm -hmm. I actually thought people would be more patient with quarterbacks last night, but the run kind of heated up a little bit sooner than I expected it to. And as a result of that, I decided to take Josh Allen in the third round. I I took him at pick 30th overall. I've got him as pick. 28 on my big board. So That's I was sort of right there, sticking to the script, baby. You guys, has the NFL script dropped yet? I heard it did. Okay, I heard it. Did. I haven't got it yet. So yes. So there is a different cut line here. I think that for me, like to me, I, I think that you, I really do believe you can win with like up to about like quarterback 14 or 15 on my rankings in my rankings this season. Let me just pull up the uh, quarterback page here before I uh, uh, say something, something incorrectly. I don't think the idea of winning a championship up to like Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith, Anthony Richardson is unfathomable at all. It just puts a lot more pressure on you to nail those wide receiver and running back picks, which is why I think that if you're looking for like the safe quarterback cutoff, and I've changed my thinking a bit on this because we had this conversation in a not too uh, distant episode, like Trevor Lawrence, I think is the point where like that's quarterback eight. Yep. I would be surprised if anybody Quarterback one through eight on my board did not ball out this season. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. If any of those guys aren't stars this year, I'd be surprised. It'd be a pretty big shock. Be yeah. surprised. Yeah. Moving forward, Deshaun Watson, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Tua Tunga Vailoa. For different reasons, those players have some risk involved with them. So I think if you are looking for the cutoff of like setting it forgetting it and i feel like i've got 20 to 25 or even 30 point upside weekly i think it's after eight quarterbacks if you're setting it thinking you got a pretty good shot for like 18 or more points per week i think it goes all the way down to like anthony richardson at quarterback 16 then you get into the next list of guys where it's like russell wilson and matthew stafford Derek carr you know kenny pickett like certainly you expect some good weeks but the uh, the confidence that you feel, your confidence scale is yep. different in those players than it is in the players one through eight, and then again nine through like fifteen or sixteen. I see it almost exactly the same as okay. you. Almost, I've got Deshaun in that list where if I he's kind of like the break glass in case of emergency quarterback for okay. my roster. Um, I think Mike got a really good point because he's he's sort of in a tier of his own at that point. It, 
you look at Kirk Cousins, I don't think Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Tua yeah. Tagovailoa. I don't think that they've got QB one upside really. Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, and who else? Tua Tagovailoa. Tua I think Tua does, but uh, you'd have to. I mean, he runs so little. Right. It, it, that's the only thing. Yeah, you'd have to just like throw the ball to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Yeah, right, right, you know, um, Cousins. You know, like we've seen it with Cousins, right? Like he's kind of like the the modern era Kirk. Uh, excuse me, Philip Rivers, right? Like he might scrape all the way up to like eight or nine, but never above that. Correct. So I think when you look at Deshaun, there is an, the inherent like. The, a much wider range of outcomes. Yeah. Because of that, though, if you're going to draft him as your starting quarterback, that's like the that's the very end of that tier for sure. me. I would rather have Trevor Lawrence and above. But one of the things that we talked about, in spite of you grabbing Josh Allen, mind you, this was a 12 team league, so yes. that that helps. Yeah. Um, you know, grabbing a quarterback early. We've been talking about how it feels like you're not going to lose your league if you grab one of the top three quarterbacks. Nah, they're, they're incredible. Not. Like Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, they're all amazing. They can win you a league. But I just think there's so much better value in rounds four through seven, there allowing is. me to be able to get wide receiver and running back depth in the first three rounds. That's how I'm approaching the quarterback position. The larger the league, the more likely I am to make that quarterback, quarterback pick play. early yep. because, you know, 16 team league. I've got my veterans league 16 team draft tonight. And sorry for those that are listening. Actually, not sorry. Why am I saying this? Sorry, I'm sorry. giving away my strategy. Right. But, you know, like. If someone, and we see this quite a bit, like if someone double dips on quarterbacks, you're like, hey, I'll just wait till round 10. And someone says, you know what? I'm going to take Dak Prescott and then come back a couple of rounds later and take Anthony Richardson. That's fathomable. Yes. All of a sudden you're like, wait, like my starter is, I don't know, Russell Wilson. Like that's a little bit uneasy pulse. Yeah. I think there's an interesting debate with the late round quarterbacks now. Um, we used to be able to stream quarterbacks just playing matchups and, and get guys that were off the waiver wire. Yeah. But now that I think there's nobody below that, like you said, quarterback 15, if you want to wait till that 11th or 12th round, grab Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins and play matchups there because they're going to get drafted as backups elsewhere. Sure. You have two of them like Kirk Cousins. We know what he is. He's good in good matchups. He's bad in bad matchups. He had six games over 20 fantasy points last year, and you could pretty much pick them out. Indianapolis, Detroit, Cardinals, wow. Bears, uh, Patriots. Now. Not great. Yeah. Calm down on the Not Detroit. great on defense. It's like if you play your matchups, that way, you can, almost, agree, make, yeah. you can almost create like a Trevor Lawrence right. hybrid. Sure. Doing that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So if you want to be patient, but um, I do think though is in a larger league. Um, one thing that I don't often do is back draft a backup quarterback, but I see that more and more in drafts that I play in where people just say, even, even people that have like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Jalen hurts, which I, I think that. is just basically burning a roster spot. But some people like that's one of the most common questions I get when people are playing fantasy. Should I draft a backup quarterback or backup tight end? Tight end, there's maybe a stronger case because there's so few options at tight end that you just take another hack at it. But uh, quarterback, especially when you have one of those top three guys, even those top eight guys, you're basically picking a player that does one of two things, plays one week as your fill-in, or you can parlay into a trade chip. But if there are 10 or 12 quarterbacks that are playing well during the season, how strong is that trade chip? That trade chip. Yeah, I had a guy in one of the leagues I was just in take both Justin Fields and Josh Allen at the quarterback position in a 10-team league. And it was like, I think you're doing this because you want to make us, like, force us to trade later on. It was my buddy Tim. Mm. Yeah, buddy's a strong word. Wow, it's Tim a, just got torpedoed by you. First Tim. of all, named uh, and but, not but even sure he's a buddy. When you do that, it's yeah. like you are, you're actively trying to say, like, I'm going to force the league to have to trade me here because I'm going to take away one of the best quarterbacks. Yeah. But if you have, like, if the quarterback position is 
deep enough to go quarterback 12, 13, 14, 15, you take away all the leverage that he just thought that he drafted right, right. there. Yep. So I love that. Yes, all right. indeed. Let's talk about the running back situation in Indianapolis ones, yeah. field. Now we're finally talking Jonathan Taylor. We're 40 minutes into the show. That's where Jonathan Taylor went in our draft, came off the board. 10th pick, 7th pick, round. 7th round. How did you about feel that. about that value? Uh, Maybe so not value. I, how did you feel about how he felt? Okay. I thought it was totally fine, except for the person that took him. <laughs> our guy, Jackson. I hate Jackson. Jackson, who has not just Jonathan Taylor on his team. He also has Cooper Cup and Brees Hall. Jackson. Jackson will either go undefeated or not win a single game this year. Yes. Right? Like Brees Hall, like out of the gates is awesome. And Cooper Cup returns to practice on Monday. And Jonathan Taylor decides in week five, I'm back, baby. Like he could legitimately be a boat. But if Brees Hall like continues to share work with Dalvin Cook and Cooper Cup is out for a month and Jonathan yep. Taylor doesn't play until December, yep. it could be a longer year for Jackson. But yeah, I think Daniel, I think everybody was sniffing around Jonathan Taylor right around this spot because uh, keep in mind three wide receivers start in this league. Yeah. So I think Taylor, you know, obviously playing running back, that means that you're, you know, that that's one less spot available for Jonathan Taylor. So I do think that he might even be going a hair sooner in some weeks without three wide receivers. But in this league, I felt like everybody was starting to have like the, who's going to do it. Yep. Who's going to do it. Who's taking JT now. Here are the running backs that went off the board in the next two rounds, just after him, just to give some context around where he went Yep. after Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin cook, Khalil Herbert, Isaiah Pacheco, DeAndre Swift. Like you're getting into territory where it's like it's so obvious that yeah. Jonathan Taylor is so much better than all those guys. But obviously, this is where we have the risk. Yeah. And, I, and I think if you're taking that, not not the way that Jackson did it, because I don't love his roster construction, but this is the spot to be able to grab him at. Keep your Adam Schefter notifications on. That's all I can tell That's you. It. Right? Because it's like, for all I know, Shefty could wake up tomorrow morning and have a news story that like, Jonathan Taylor is signing a five-year, $80 million deal um, and being traded to the Dolphins. Or we could wake up tomorrow morning and he could tell me like, yeah, Jonathan Taylor plans to hold out until week 18 and we'll play one snap. Uh, On that snap, he will fall to the ground and he will gain zero rushing yards and he'll be a free agent after the year. I mean, at that point. Yeah. Did any team, do you think, have more running backs drafted in our draft last night than the Indianapolis Colts? Everybody, this is one of those things. Everybody, because of the Jonathan Taylor situation, was like late round dart throw on any running back that's even close to the Colts. So let's just run through them. Deion Jackson goes second pick of the 12th round to Pulse. Yep. Evan Hall goes second pick of the 13th round to Clay. Yep. Zach Moss goes 11th pick in the 14th round to Dave Presley. So three separate dart throws. And that took Kareem Hunt, eighth pick in the 14th round. He's not even on the Colts right now, but the only place I think he has real value is if he plays for the Colts. So you're right. Has there ever been a situation where four separate darts were thrown? I guess five, including Taylor, on one backfield. I don't think so. Never. This is like old school Patriot stuff where you're like, just when you think LeGarrette Blunt's going to have, you know, 22 carries for 98 yards and three touchdowns, it's like Shane Vereen has 14 uh-huh. catches in a game. Who was the other dude that came out of nowhere? Uh, Jonas Gray. Jonas Gray. Jonas Gray. But like, man, they've had some, they had some random ones. They really that's for have. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's not the only backfield that's like that field because obviously with the Jeff Wilson news, he's going to miss yeah. four games starting on the IR. We obviously saw Raheem Mostert. Yeah. And Evan, um, Devin A. Shane, as somebody that you can look at, I think Mostert coming off the board, fifth pick of the ninth round, 
Is that too high for where you would look at him, understanding that you may only have a couple of weeks of like starter value? No, I, I loved this pick actually for my I mean, I was it was my own pick, it, but right? I loved yeah. it. I actually felt like that was kind of a value there for Raheem Mostert. I sweated through the eighth round thinking I wouldn't get him back because other running backs being drafted around here sort of have a similar profile. Yeah. Jamal Williams, Samaj A. P. Ryan, guys who to begin the season might have like three or four weeks of value but that might not have any value or minimal value beyond that, right? If Javante Williams gets heated up or if, you know, an Alvin Kamara is back and Kendra Miller is back, but Jalen Warren, next running back taken backup, Tyler Algier taken in the following round backup. So I got myself a starter for potentially four weeks and uh, Drew Rosenhaus, the agent for Jeff Wilson Jr. told a station in Miami that he expects it to be, not long after he's eligible to return that he's back. So indicating it could be as soon as week five, it's a pinky and a rib injury for Jeff Wilson jr. So I had not heard the specifics of that prior to this. So it sounds like Wilson could well be back on the field for week five, but Raheem Moster for the first four weeks, like he could be cooking. And if he's cooking early and somebody is just totally flat footed in the first month of the season with running back depth, I might be able to swing a Raheem Mostert trade and understanding that he might only have two more weeks of value, collect a real asset. So I probably my, one of my favorite picks in my own draft, to be honest. I think if Jackson I might be oh, going for Mostert in about a week or two. I know Jackson. Yes. Yeah. Jackson. Yes, yeah. Yes. He's got right. Priest Hall and, 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 and Jonathan yeah. Taylor might be like, all right, well it's either I trade for Raheem Mostert or I start like, you know, a fullback a full, yeah. instead. Kyle Hughes is my number two running back here. I love you, check though. I think, you know what? It's hard not to. Like he's the. I think the one guy that I'll just never quit. Um, I think that's fair. I, I. This is an interesting situation to me, field, because if you've got four, if you've got four weeks of value, yep. then if I'm going in, and I decide, hey, you know what? Alvin Kamara is a guy that I really like. I'm really high in him. I want to make sure I leave drafts with him. Raheem Mostert as a later round running back to pair him with because you know he's got that running back room to himself. It's really cheap, super inexpensive to get a started running back for the first four weeks of the season in this guy. If you want to go in Alvin Kamara, just yeah, talking about roster construction with the way that you want to look at your drafts. Let's talk through some of the players that are also being drafted here. And you can tell me if these players absolutely have four weeks of value for them this season. Okay. I mentioned Jamal Williams, Samaj P. Ryan. I would argue yes. Zach Charbonnet? I think so, but it's not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. I think so. Um, I think Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson both do, but I think the ceilings kind of tap because of the fact that they are teammates. We mentioned Tyler Algier. Mm -hmm. We mentioned Jalen Warren. Mm -hmm. Mentioned a couple others here. Jarek McKinnon, Elijah Mitchell, Roshan Johnson, Rashad Penny, Tank Bigsby. You know, so like you've gotten to the point in the draft where like four four games is... Not a game. Like it's actually like if you told me I all I got was four games out of Raheem Mostert, it's still a worthwhile ninth round pick for running backs at least. Absolutely. All right, let's look at some rookie wide receivers and sleepers to close this thing out. Field. Uh, The way the rookie wide receivers came off the board for us. Yep. Jackson Smith and Jigba, first wide rookie wide receiver off the board. Not me because my daughter did not have to get changed during this draft last night. Yes. So that's important. 
but even though he is dealing with a hand injury, he had surgery, we're expecting him to miss a little bit of time or at least start off a little bit slow. Still the guy that the community wants more than Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers. Well, this was my cousin who made this pick, so I can tell him he's crazy. All I right, would prefer fair. Jordan Addison over Jackson Smith and Jake. Griffey, why aren't you listening to the podcast? Oh, he's listening. He'll probably text me in about well, five minutes about right, right now. now. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I'm in on Addison. I would really prefer uh, Jordan Addison to Jackson Smith and Jigba. So uh, all love for the fam, but uh, I would have flipped those picks there. But Smith and Jigba, like Stone Cold Baller, right? This guy's a beast. Absolutely. You know, he was unbelievable in college. Obviously had a very, very, very brief stint last year with Ohio State because of an injury. But stranger things have happened than a guy who absolutely crushed it in college becoming a star in the NFL. Absolutely. I took. It's a- just he's a third receiver for his own team, right? Yeah. Not listed on that on that uh, graphic was Quinton Johnston, who I grabbed because I took Justin Herbert. And I thought, you know what? We had the stacking conversation a couple days ago, a cheap stack option for my quarterback. Why not give it a shot? Give me some of the sleepers that you were targeting as you got towards the back half of the draft. Because we all have a few guys we love to leave the draft with. So this was my most intriguing sleeper. And I'm sort of wondering if I should have been pounding the table, which might be a bad idea. This is a glass table, but it's kind of like the glass they have at hockey games where like it can absorb a lot. But if you strike it just in the right spot, it might shatter. I'm not strong, so I probably wouldn't shatter this. But um, pretty strong. uh, Rasheed Rice, chief second round wide receiver. I love it. We've talked about Kadarius Tony. We've talked about certainly Sky Moore. We've talked about Justin Ross, who might be the sexier sleeper pick right now. Rasheed Rice might be sort of hiding in plain sight. I know that medical was uh, part of the reason why Justin Ross went undrafted, but like he played a lot his last year at Clemson. Rasheed Rice was a second round pick this year by the Chiefs. Yep. And if memory serves, Paul, can we check this one? Pretty sure they traded up to get him. Pretty sure. Now, We've said a million times that Patrick Mahomes does not need a top 30 wide receiver to have a great year. Confirmed, by the way, they did trade up for him. They did. But he was a target for this team. They think this guy could be a player here. And uh, as a result of that, if he has the Chiefs, and I think sort of by extension, Patrick Mahomes' blessing, I'm in on Rasheed Rice, 13th round pick. Crank I it love up. that. Did you have one that you liked late in the rounds? Um, You know, if I had to pick somebody from this draft, okay. I would probably go with like Zay Jones. I took Zay Jones in the 12th. Yeah. One Uh, of my favorite sleepers as well. Tell you what, Zay Jones caught a lot of balls last year and he's kind of not being really talked about. It's mostly just good football player, Christian Kirk and, and Calvin Ridley. And I feel like he was sort of forgotten there. So if anything happens, I think in the 12th round, a guy that we've seen have a ton of production. I like him not as like, I don't think as explosive or that youth excitement of upside, but yep. we've seen it from Zay Jones. I really liked being able to get him in the value that I got there. I think you saw a running back as well, though. I think that I see this correctly. I did. I took Deuce Vaughn very, very late. You want to know why? Because um, some idiot in front of me. Was it me? Some butthead. Oh, it was Kareem Mike Hunt. Oh, sorry. It was me. My bad. Two picks before me because that's where I was going to go. I wanted to grab that extra running back, but instead I decided to go with Deuce Vaughn while okay. he was on the board. I thought about going Zach Moss. I just don't have a whole lot of, you know, like that's an upside pick there for that, that Coles backfield. I would rather have maybe a little bit of fun okay. with what I've been hearing in this Darren Sproles type player for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So it's funny. I've loved watching Deuce. Everybody's loved watching Deuce Vaughn in the preseason. We love watching him in Kansas State. He was awesome in college. One of my, one of the great draft stories. The team uh, employs his father. His father's on the scouting staff for the Cowboys. I didn't and know that. He got to make yeah, it was a really cool moment. He got to make the call, being like, it's really. I mean, it was his dad was so overcome by emotion that he could barely get it out. But he was Stop like, it. "Hey, Deuce, 
you want to come to work with me on Monday? Stop. Pretty great. Yeah. Oh. Pretty awesome. I so go find that yeah, video. amazing. Right. So it's uh, it's great. It's wonderful. It's all over the internet. You'll find it very quickly. Um, He's little though, Field. Yeah. You mentioned like the Darren Sproles comp. Yeah. We love Darren Sproles. Uh -huh. Was Darren Sproles ever a player that you were using in fantasy? Not really. I mean, that one there, there was like the yeah, there were a couple of years when he was playing with the Saints where it was like peak Darren Sproles. But like, I think the comparison between Deuce Vaughn and Darren Sproles is a lot less because of the fact that he catches a lot of passes and a lot because that was what Sproles was great at, did. right? Yeah. But it was a lot more about the fact that they're both very like they can barely ride the rides at disney right like they're not exactly uh these are not shaquille o'neal stature players are they not no no but neither is rico dowdle who i believe dowdle yes Dowdell, he was the other guy that like it's so crazy the the cowboys running back room was like we used to know everybody that yeah. was there they were huge names now it's tony pollard and no offense to deuce vaughn or these other guys but it's like it's tony bollard and a bunch of guys that we don't know maybe they have more confidence in ronald jones than we should or than we do I don't know. He's going to miss the uh, first two games because of suspension, but yeah. it allows him to carry an extra player on the roster. But, you know, Malik Turner looked fine last year when he got some carries. Rico Dowdell is going to get some carries as well. So, like, it sounds like the former South Carolina standout is the number two back in in, in Dallas right now. Yeah, so It sounds like Tony Pollard is going to get a lot of carries. I Dallas do think so. Kind of that, it looks like. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. Vibes are important with your late round picks. I like the vibes of Deuce Vaughn. I'll say that. Yeah. It's just, you know, if I, and you know what? You draft good, a guy in the fourth, for the locker room. Great for the locker he's room. He's great for my locker room. Yeah, he is. If I drop him because I drafted him in the 14th round and pick someone else up, guess what? Doesn't uh, matter. Doesn't, yeah, it's, fair it's, it's fine. Yep. It's no big deal. Yeah. Uh, Field, we talked about just closing this out. We've been talking about running backs. In spite of the fact that we spent the entire preseason basically saying it's okay to go wide receiver in the first round, both yeah. you and I took running backs. Yeah. Just to like close this out. I wasn't expecting it to be Austin Eckler. Though, I wasn't expecting CMC either. Yeah, I was pumped. So it's sort of like, did you let the, was that the board just sort of, the board fell that way. Yeah. I was expecting to take Tyreek Hill with the fifth overall pick. He oh. went fourth. Okay. Um, and I would have been very happy with Travis Kelsey in a fight, which was the only league that I had. And Austin Eckler was gone. Totally fine with Travis Kelsey. I've got a lot of Kelsey this year. It's, Always a good thing to uh, have yeah. uh, lots of exposure to the best tight end in fantasy by a mile. Um, that being said, um, I, I just was, I I'd just done two drafts that day where I had Kelsey in the first round. I was like, maybe I'll just, I tell I diversify my portfolio. Yeah, that's what it's all about, Field. I With me starting CMC, I like starting wide receiver more, but with me starting CMC, my wide receivers turned out to be Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. Mm. And in a 12-team league, getting Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, and CMC former with my teammates. first three picks, I'm pretty okay with that. Yeah, totally. That's former teammates right there. I, I thought about Devonte with my second-round pick. I took DK Metcalf instead. That was an exposure thing because I've got more Devonte. Um, but, uh, yeah, I loved it. This was so much fun, and this is my favorite time of year. Not that I don't love the regular season when it happens, Field, but oh, I love, love draft prep. It's so much fun just talking about these guys and their values, where they should go, roster construction, all yeah. the fun that goes into it, and this weekend is going to be huge for drafts. Well, we have to do something here. we got to give up my favorite draft. You want to do that? Yeah, of course, because right. my lineup pre review is brought to you by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you could save, other than my own, of course, Yo. because I have to be biased here. People, uh, our producer Dave asked, who's your favorite my your favorite, uh, favorite draft? From this team, yeah. from this league. Here's what I came up with. JB Brubaker, baby. What? Loved it. Yeah, I thought he had a great draft here. Let's go, go through JB. it quickly. Metalcore Fantasy Tour is his yeah, name. I, I can't find it on the website right now, but I will in about five seconds. Tyree Kill, Josh Jacobs, Patrick Mahomes, Debo Samuel. Love those first five yeah, picks, uh, first four picks. D Hop, J.K. Dobbins. You'll see this on the full screen for those that are watching. George Kittle, Michael Thomas. 
Eagles defense plus Greg Joseph are the starters. Lottery tickets include Nico Collins, Romeo Dobbs, Kenneth Gainwell, Tajay Spears, Ty Chandler. So I thought that was just a good, solid draft here AJ by JB. Dillon. Yeah. I mean, AJ Dillon as well. So, you know, he's got great clarity at the quarterback spot uh, with Patrick Mahomes. I thought that Josh Jacobs went right around where he should. I felt like his first four picks were just like exactly where those players deserve to be taken. Absolutely. And that flex spot that he has, he can either put in Michael Thomas or he's got the option to go a couple of different routes. Yeah, there. Nico he, Collins probably I like, close. I, I, I think Nico was close yeah. from in that yeah. perspective. So yeah. again, 12 team leagues. I tell you what, when you look at the roster of a 12 team drafted league, like a, a team drafted in a 12 team league, it often feels just a little bit less exciting. Yeah. And as a part of that, I'm looking for guys at the top of their position that can absolutely help a team be able to carry. Getting Patrick Mahomes, I think, is fantastic. Getting Tyreek Hill is pretty great. And then guess what? Josh Jacobs finishes RB3 last year. So, like, to get those three guys. Oh, and George Kittle was tight end five. Yeah. Like, well, you, you put it all together and it's like, all right, I'm starting to see some of this. Yes, there's going to be some depth issues because it's a 12-team league. We always have depth issues. Sure. I love me some, uh, some of JB's team. Although I really liked your team this year. I did. And I'm not saying Wait, seriously. That just, yeah, I really. Oh, your thank team you. Well. I mean, you're you're predisposed to like your own team generally. But uh, hopefully this team works out because we need to think of an epic winner's prize. Trophy smack belt, of course. Smell, yep. Yep. I think that the person who loses. Hmm. I'm trying to think of the appropriate punishment. Maybe well, you get like a people people's elbowed with the trophy smack belt wrapped around your elbow onto the loser. Field, I think we just we just need to do a piercing. You a see, piercing. Uh, yeah, I was catching up on uh, Hard Knocks yeah. episode two. Who yeah. was it that they took? Michael to the, Clemens. There right? you go. And uh, have you ever had any piercings? You know something, Daniel. Surprisingly, no. Surprisingly, Surprisingly no. Yeah, That's yeah. that is a big surprise. No. Yeah. Huh, maybe we maybe we go that route. Time to go I don't know. live a little, huh? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't need to be seen. You could have a piercing, you know, in a. Not sure that makes it better. I'm sure. I don't know. Maybe it does. Uh, you know what? Uh, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, There's my lineup. Let's all right. Yeah, we'll talk about sure. Justin I Herbert, like Christian McCaffrey, Rashad White, yeah. Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. Do you want to ask me what my first piercing was? Uh, nope. I think nope. I'm going to pass on that one. Michael Pittman, Evan Ingram as my tight end. I actually really like this team as well. I like my bench quite a bit. Alvin Kamara, I yeah. really like being able to grab yeah, him. Could be a winner right there. Total winner for um, him. Jaden Reed, Zay Jones, Cole yep. Komet, Quentin Johnston. So a lot of guys that I really like. Hopefully, this gave you a little bit of insight at the way that Field and I and the rest of our crew are approaching our drafts because we just did ours. Field, I think we got a couple of winners based okay. on the way that our teams turned out. Uh, Oops! Oh, but make sure that you follow us. I am at Daniel Dop on the X. He is at Field Jates, but on most the importantly Instagram. on Instagram. On the Instagram, go only. find him. All I care about. That's right. Uh, we're going to be back next week, but not yes. till Tuesday. Program update. We'll be back on Tuesday. Go yep. enjoy the Labor Day weekend. Don't labor too much if you can. Thanks to all the people that do have to work this weekend. Obviously, kind of the uh, ceremonial end of the summer. We That's cannot right. wait. Week one next week. Let's roll. So pumped. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. You guys have earned that. Have a safe weekend. Happy drafting. We'll see you on Tuesday. Uh, did you put the two up for the twos? Two for the twos. For the Tuesday. Yeah. Two Tuesday. Hey, Pulsifer, nice job. Your shirt was really colorful. Thank you. Hawaiian shirt Fridays. That's what our department's been doing all summer. Shout out Carter for the idea. Shout out Carter. Way to go. If you need a stick of tide, Field is your guy. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay.
Tweets are made of who's got the stats and tweets that'll make you laugh. He's our favorite host and everybody knows his name. He's Field Yates. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. 